Hello, you're listening to the Sydney Writers Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name is Valerie Koo and you can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips and valuable ideas on how to get published. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. P.D. Martin is an Australian crime writer. Her latest book, Kiss of Death, features Aussie FBI profiler Sophie Anderson. Her academic career started with a Bachelor in Behavioural Sciences. She then went on to study music full-time, and it was during this period that she rediscovered her love of writing. She eventually completed a postgraduate certificate in creative writing. Her first published novel was Body Count, the first in a series of books featuring Sophie Anderson. She has since published four more books in the series, The Murderer's Club, Fan Mail, The Killing Hands, and the latest, Kiss of Death. So thanks for joining us today, Philippa. Thank you. So tell us, what were your original career plans? Because I understand you started your first degree in psychology. Yeah, I mean, for a while there, I was definitely interested in becoming a psychologist. Um, I've always been interested in human behaviour and what makes people tick and um, all those sorts of things. So I certainly when I started off with my psychology degree, that was um, where I was heading. I was going to go on and do masters, etc. And what changed? What happened? When did you sort of discover writing? Well, I had actually discovered it early on in my um, when I was at primary school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really into reading as a kid and started doing my own um, short stories and things, I guess, when I was probably about eight. So I was really into it then, but then I kind of went away from that and went into the, um, more the math sciences in high school. Uh, and then in, um, in, when I was at university, I started doing quite a lot of singing and started writing my own songs and got into the writing process again and went overseas and sort of felt really compelled for that creative side to come out. And, yeah, I, I rediscovered my love of writing then and got into writing and, once I'd finished my degree, um, I was um, interested enough to you know, try writing my first book and to go back and study writing. So tell us about your first book. How, did, how long did that take? How did it come about? And where did you get the idea? Uh, now, are you talking about my first published book or my first ever book? Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about both. How about your first ever book to start off with? And where did that end up? <laughs> Yeah, like most authors, um, I was writing for a while before I got published. So my first ever book was really in the um, along the um, the psychology line in that it was actually a, a self-help book. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in the, I guess, the 90s when, you know, those self-help books were big. Mm-hmm. And um, I had sort of st- finished my psychology degree. I had done a lot of criminal law subjects at university, including family law. Um, I had recently had a... Um, a family friend who was having difficulty going through a, um, a divorce and didn't know about all the laws that I had studied as, as part of the criminal law. And I thought, well, it'd be really good to have a book that was for women who just separated that looked at um, some of the emotional side of things and also the um, legal side. And so that was my first ever book. It wasn't even fiction. Right. And did that get published? Well, obviously not. But what did you, did, no. did you try and do with it? 
Yeah, I sent it around to, to quite a few publishers and I got very good feedback from it, but most of them came back with the same thing. They felt that because I, I wasn't actually a qualified psychologist mm. and that I couldn't put case studies in there, they felt that that kind of style of a book really needed to have um, you know a doctor so-and-so in front mm. of it in terms of that professional expertise. So unfortunately, um, that one didn't take off for me. And then I started writing um, fiction, young adult fantasy, and um, Body Count, which is my first published novel, was actually the fourth book I wrote. Right, and young ad- adult fantasy and fiction is a far cry from, you know, how to deal with a divorce. How did you... Yeah. <laughs> were you already interested in that genre or, or and was it easy to switch hats? I think that what happened for me is um, I had always thought that when I first started writing that book about... Um, divorce and separation for me that was oh this is going to be you know everyone talks about having one book in them I thought oh, this was going to be my one book but what I realized was that I really loved the actual process of writing even though I was writing non-fiction I really loved you know sitting down and writing and that sort of sparked my interest again in more creative writing and fictional writing um, and so it wasn't really that hard for me to switch hats in that it was I know it sounds strange probably but it was still writing, and I loved the process of writing. And because when I was younger, I had um, read so much, and particularly my two loves when I was younger were um, sort of fantasy novels and also, um, you know, starting off early crime fiction like Nancy Drew and Famous Five and moving on to Agatha Christie. So it was really going back. Um, my first novels were going back to my love of fantasy, and then Body Count was going back to my love of crime. And where did, how do you, did you get this love of crime? What is so interesting about it? I don't know. I think when I was younger, for me, it was the real mystery of it in terms of trying to work out who'd done it. Mm. A bit like a puzzle, a, 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 long, a, a longer, high-level puzzle, and I really enjoyed that element of it. Mm. Um, now, for me, I think crime fiction has changed a lot since I was reading when I was a kid to now. Um, you've got a lot of people who've come into the genre with backgrounds as forensic pathologists or forensic assistants or law enforcement people. Um, and so it's become much grittier and much more realistic. Mm. And, of course, the science behind it has changed itself. I mean, when I was reading Agatha Christie and Agatha Christie's books, you know, they don't have DNA and mm. and all the high-tech science stuff. And I think that in some ways that actually quite appeals to me because, as I mentioned earlier, I did go into sciences in high school. Mm. And I think there's also a part of me that that is interested in that. And I certainly when I do my research, I love researching all the all the forensics and all the different tests they do to work out, you know, a brand of lipstick on mm-hmm. a shirt. And it's, you know, I, something I really enjoy. So do you watch shows like CSI and NCIS and all of that? I used to, not anymore. I've kind of cut back a little bit on my... I don't have a lot of time to watch TV, so I, I choose quite carefully the shows I watch. I watch... Um, for sort of enjoyment and research, I watch Criminal Minds. Mm. Um, I also enjoy Medium. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, for uh, pleasure, I watch um, sometimes Survivor. Right. <laughs> and the Amazing Race. <laughs> um, tell, us, tell us about your latest book, Kiss of Death. Yeah, Kiss of Death, um, it started off with the concept. I thought, oh, imagine. And it was a few years ago that I thought of this before the whole um, vampire fiction became quite so huge. But I thought, oh, imagine if um, Sophie, my, my lead um my heroine, who is a FBI profiler, I thought, imagine if she had a case where there was two puncture marks in the neck and it looked like a vampire. 
And then I um, made up this scenario where there was this cult of vampires or, you know, potentially a cult of vampires. And then when I started my research, I actually found, or people who believe they're vampires, and when I started my research, I found out that there really are quite a few people out there who believe that they need to feed on the energy of others, usually through blood, to survive. Mm. And, you know, I, I call them real-life vampires. So I found out that my sort of fictional premise wasn't actually quite as fictional as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you mentioned that... Um, Body Count was actually your fourth book, you know, your yeah. first published book was your fourth book that you've written. Um, yeah. It obviously must take a lot of persistence and determination to write four books before before um, someone is interested in publishing them. What got you through that? I think, look, it is, it is very difficult. I think there are a few things that, that got me through it. One of the things that got me through it is that I had a, um, a day job that I enjoyed, mm-hmm. uh, which was lucky because when you first start writing, you, you kind of, part of you thinks that, um, you know, your first novel will get published and you're not, you don't really, a lot of writers, I certainly wasn't, aren't aware of the pay that most Australian authors get, which is quite low. <laughs> um, and so you have this sort of fancy notion that, that, you know, once, you know, that you'll get published within a year or two and then you'll be earning a living as a, as a writer. And luckily, even though I, I you know, a large part of me felt that that was the way things were going to work, was going to work out. I still um, had a backup career. And so for me, the fact that it was something that I enjoyed doing, I wasn't going into work every day hating it. And um, so that really helped. Um, I think the other thing that, that helped was just the fact that I loved writing. So, I mean, look, I did, I have to admit, before I wrote Body Count, I actually took a couple of months off and I was seriously questioning whether I would write, whether I'd keep writing because I thought maybe I'm just barking up the wrong tree. Obviously, I was putting all my energies into my creative writing and into writing books. Um, I was working part-time in my job because I had was trying to spend more time on my writing, so I managed to cut down to a three or four day a week at, at various times. And I, I wasn't, you know sort of climbing the corporate ladder. You know, I had friends who I'd started out with who were now in management and um, obviously, you know, had much more responsibility, um, more fulfilling jobs, earning more money. And I was thinking, is this what I should have been doing? Have I been making the wrong choice? And I took a few months off and I started after the first month, I sort of started jotting down, well, if I did write another book, what would it be? (laughs) And um, I had sort of four ideas and I was thinking, I really want to do all of these and I can't imagine just not doing any of them and not writing again except for my job was actually a corporate writer so I was writing in my day job um, but not writing creatively Mm. again and and so yeah I I chose one of the ideas which was body count and started writing but yeah it's definitely perseverance. Yes but people are then always interested in how you got the first break so can you tell us about that? The first break for me came about, I did exactly what I had done with my other books in that, well, actually, sorry, previous books I had sent to agents. Uh, with this book, um, one of my previous books had done, had got very high up in the process. It wasn't published, but it was almost published um, by both Pam McMillan and Penguin. They both were close to publishing it and said, you know, look, in the end, we've decided not to publish it. Mm. And they both said to me, but we'd like to see whatever you write next. Right. Now, 
with Pam McMillan, I, I um, rang up the contact that I had there and said, you know, I've, I've finished my next book, but it's not, um, it's not a young adult, it's not children's. And the contact I had was in, in the children's publishing. Mm. And she said, oh, well, look, send, send it in, mention my name in the letter and I'll pass it on to the right person. And I had a similar thing with Penguin when I, I rang them up. There was a little bit of, a little bit harder with Penguin in that they sort of, the two departments seem to be more separated. So right. I sort of said, oh, well, that's not our area. And I said, well, you know, would you still like me to send it in? And they sort of said, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, Penguin doesn't normally accept unsolicited adult. Uh, and anyway, I, I sent it in and it was the opposite because with my first book, Sometimes I was the publishers for 12 months because they'd made it through the first reader and then the second reader and then they got to an editor and then a, a commissioning editor and then the publisher before the final decision was no. Mm. Um, so, but this one was quite different. Within um, six weeks, I had an email um, saying that they were interested and that they would that um, they'd be bringing this Pam McMillan would be bringing up at their next meeting to decide uh, whether they would um, go ahead and purchase it. Right. So, yeah, it was very quick compared wow. to the other ones, and as you can imagine, it was very exciting. But I didn't tell anyone because I'd got really <laughs> close before. I'd, I'd got to that final stage where they're all sitting in a room and it's just a matter of votes. You know, everyone mm. reads it and then they vote, yes, will we take this on or no? Majority wins. And, um, and I thought, well, I've been there before, so I um, didn't tell anyone until I had the actual offer. <laughs> great. And is that when yeah, you knew you've made the right decision and you could, you know, um, you didn't yes. want to climb the corporate ladder? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> so tell us about, um, you've, you You talked briefly about your character, Sophie Anderson. How was she created? Like, did you base her around anyone or did anyone inspire her? No, actually, um, well, sorry, that's not, that's not quite right. I, she's not really inspired by anyone I know as such, but I actually had a, a, a dream or a nightmare um, many years ago, uh, about six years before I started writing Body Count. And um, in this dream, um, it was kind of like, was, um, the, first of all, I walked into this room and um, someone I knew had been murdered and there was blood everywhere and I actually woke up in the middle of the dream because mm. it was such a bad dream mm. and nightmare. Mm. And... Um, and, and then the weird thing about this dream was that um, I went back to sleep and I went back into the dream in the same spot. Mm. And then I woke up again when I found another body. And um, the same thing, I, I ended up going in and out of the dream um, four times over the course of from 2 a.m. till 6 a.m. And in the dream, I was kind of investigating the crime. Mm. But I wasn't just me. I was somehow involved in law enforcement. I had like an official capacity. Right. Um, and so I guess in many ways Sophie is based on that dream and the, the whole concept of body count is actually based on that dream. Mm. Um, and then once I kind of thought, well, so I'm going to have this character who's in some level of law enforcement, because of my psychology background, my interest in psychology, it seemed natural that um, she would be a profiler, so the person who looks at a crime and decides what sort of offender has committed this crime. Mm. So that was a really natural progression to me um, for the character. Mm. So to write that sort of stuff credibly, as you've mentioned before, you need to do research and um, and, and, and especially on the things like scientific aspects of it and forensics. Do you think you spend more time researching or more time writing? And do you do the research first then write or do you write and fill in the gaps later? 
I would still spend more time writing than researching. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally what I do is once I have the basic premise for a, no- for a novel, I'll do initial research that might be relevant to that novel. Um, so in the case of Kiss of Death, you know, I started researching real-life vampires and mm-hmm. cults and all those sorts of things. Um, and then as I go along, I might get to something that I need to research. Sometimes it's something small like a location and you know, I'll get onto Google Maps and Google Earth and have a look and do different things like that. And other times it's, um, you know, suddenly I realise that I need to find out about ballistics and guns or mm. a bit more information about, um, you know, how, how during an autopsy it would be obvious or if it was obvious that someone had had some of their blood drain from them for in the case of Kiss of Death. Mm. So yeah, it's a kind of a combination. I do some up front um, and then some as I'm writing. So what are some of the best resources f- for research when it comes to crime? I think that um, when I was first starting out, most of my research that I was doing um, was from books. Um, there are some very, very good books out there that are actually made for law enforcement professionals. Um, and some that are made for, for other people. So there's, and, and you know, like even scientific texts, so the textbooks that, that you would use if you were studying forensics at university. Um, I have um, like a book that I, that's from America called Sex Related Homicide and Death Investigation. Mm. And um, it's a very gruesome book, but it mm. also goes through a lot of information that you need. It's got, you know, what the first responder does. Um, how they seal up the crime scene, what evidence is gathered, who that all goes to, the, the general procedure for an autopsy. It really covers everything. Wow. So, yes, yeah, so a lot of books. And then um, also, obviously, experts, experts mm. in the field. So um, I've sort of, over the past few years, I've um, uh, developed um, relationships with a few key experts that I always... Um, I'm in contact with and that usually meet sort of once or twice a year for lunch, mm. email them questions. And um, at the moment, I guess my the ones that I'm dealing with most would be um, a forensic pathologist here in Victoria, in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And um, I usually email her questions as I have them. And I think the other thing that's key is I make sure that, that this is really very specific information. Mm. I spend a lot of time before I go to them researching on the internet, researching in my books. And if I really can't find it, mm. then I will go to them because I think that's part of um, of the relationship as well. Like if you're asking really basic questions that they think, why doesn't this person just get on the internet? Mm. Then then that's, you know, then maybe then they're more likely to be less inclined to want to help you. Mm. But if, if it's obvious that you've already got to a certain point, you just need to clarify X, Y, and Z, then I think that really helps. Mm. And I'm also in contact with um, the Victoria Police Profiler here. Right. And um, I've managed to meet a retired US cop who now lives in Melbourne, which is very handy. Yes, very. <laughs> um, so these days, are you writing full-time or do you still do some corporate writing? What's your balance there? Well, at the moment, I, um, I'm spending a lot of time. I have a three-year-old daughter, mm. um, so I'm spending a lot of time as her primary caregiver, obviously, so mm. I'm, lots of mummy time. Mm-hmm. Um so it's a real, it's, it's definitely a juggle at the moment. Mm. I've just started, um, I was just concentrating on writing for about, I think probably a year and a half mm-hmm. um, until my daughter came along. Mm-hmm. And then I've been juggling sort of um, writing with her schedule and her naps, etc. Mm. Um, and, you know, night times and weekends as necessary. 
And I've actually just started three weeks ago. I've gone back to doing a one one day a week in the corporate field, which is quite quite good to sort of um, you know keep me involved in that world. Mm. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice um, sometimes it's a nice it's a nice break from um, from being at home as well to be out you know sort of being at home in the desk and, and spending your time in solitude or, or mm. with um, a young child to to sort of be out in the corporate world again. I'm enjoying going on the train and reading, actually. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm getting away. Um, corporate writing is very, very different to crime writing. Um, how do you switch hats with that? Is that fairly easy because you're in a different zone or is that something you have to consciously do, especially to get back into the crime writing? I actually, in some ways, they're very, very different, but there are so many similarities as well. Like, I've always thought of writing as a craft. It's something that you, you're communicating a message. Now, obviously, um, in, um, in, in corporate writing, you're communicating a message, and there's a bit of a story in there, I guess, but it's more about, you know, communicating a specific message, whereas in creative writing, um, you're communicating a message, but it's more of a story element. But the actual process of, you know, constructing sentences, making sure you're using um, words that work well, mm-hmm. um, it, it, there is a similarity there. And the other thing is I actually think my grounding in corporate writing has really helped me because a lot of people know, a lot of my writing friends, um, they sort of say, oh, you know, that, that they, they feel that I'm really focused when I sit down and write, that's what I do. And I think part of that is because I have done that as a job. Mm. You know, when you when you when you go into an office environment and you're sitting there writing, you can't just kind of get up and think, oh, you know, I might just um, go and have a coffee now, or put on a load of laundry, yes. or <laughs> oh, I'm not really in the mood, so you know, the muse hasn't struck me. <laughs> it's like you have nine to five or eight to six or whatever your hours are. You've got to write. You've got to produce, you know, copy for X, Y, and Z by the end of the day, or the end of the week, or the end of the month. And so I think it's actually been really good groundwork for me in terms of writing to deadlines. It's a great discipline. It is. And I think, too, that sometimes it's easy when you're, when you're writing creatively and you kind of get stuck. It's easy just to walk away mm. from the computer um, or the keyboard. That's easier than, than sitting through it and writing a paragraph of crap <laughs> <laughs> that you may end up going back and changing. Mm. But often that's the best thing to do. You just sit there, you force yourself through it, and within you know, a few hundred words, you're back into it. So, yeah, I think it's actually really benefited me. So speaking of discipline then, when you are writing your books, um, what's a typical writing day for you? Do you set a number of hours? Do you work at particular times or do you have a word count goal? It's it's changed, obviously, since having a a young child. I think that when I used to um, work in the corporate world three days a week and do two days a week of writing, I would generally write from nine till six each day. I would take a 45-minute lunch break um, and I would aim to get um, between um, two to 4,000 words done a day. Wow. So 2,000 words would, would be a, you know, an average day, um, but I'd be happy with that. Um, but 3,000 words would be more what I was hoping for and on a really good day I might do 4,000 words. Mm. Now it's different because I kind of am writing like when, when my daughter's having a nap or so I might only have an hour and a half to write mm. or, or I, um, you know, schedule days where I have a longer chunk of time to write. So it's it's quite different now, I guess. And um, I'm also doing this thing 
uh, called, uh, well, I, I now do this thing called 10K Days where you aim to write 10,000 words in one day. <laughs> marathon. <laughs> it's a marathon. It's quite interesting though because it's about switching, switching your head, your critical side of yourself off mm. and just writing and, and going back and fixing it all up later on. And it, it, For me, it actually really works. Wow. So you found it effective. Can you actually generate 10,000 words in a day? First time I did it, I wrote 12,000 words. <laughs> oh, my goodness, it's, that's extraordinary. It is. Look, it, it's, people can Google this as well. There is, there's little things on the web about how to do your 10K day. Sometimes it's just simple things like you, and, and you kind of wouldn't think about it, but you turn off your spell check and your grammar check so you're not getting the little red lines. Yeah. You don't correct anything. You don't read anything you've written. And so it's, the whole aim is this, although it sounds like it's just a way to, write as many words as possible mm-hmm. the actual aim of it is to um, get into that stream of consciousness writing when you're barely aware of what you're writing because you're not rereading it you're not overthinking it you're just racing writing. to the finish line <laughs> somehow <laughs> i can, you can feel that way some, somehow i can now see why you like survivor and the amazing race <laughs> High adrenaline writing. <laughs> exactly. Um, and well, on that note, finally, what's your advice to budding writers who really want to see their book out there? I think there's a few pieces of advice that I would give. Um, one is, well, if you're first starting out, I do strongly believe, and this is really boring, I sound like a parent, but in having a backup career mm-hmm. um, that you enjoy. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm not saying that you do that because you don't have faith in yourself. You still have faith in yourself. But that faith is important to have, but it's also important to, to realise that most writers, even very, some of Australia's most successful writers, mm. um, were writing for quite some time before they get, got published and even longer before they're actually making a living out of it. Mm. So that's my first thing is if you're, particularly for, for younger people starting out, you know, don't sort of, um, you know, give up on, a career and focus on writing, do both. Um, and it's harder to balance at first, but, you know, if, if you are spending, if you do end up spending, you know, five years trying to get published or or something like that, to know that you're enjoying your job and not going in and hating your job every day is really helpful. Mm, um, the second piece of advice is perseverance mm. and faith. So even though you have your backup career, still believe that, you know, you will get published. Mm. And, and practice. I mean, you know, writing really, so much of writing is, is a craft and something that you refine and that you can get better and better at as you go. Um, so I would definitely, you know, that the, the age-old advice of write something every day, even if it's just a journal or a paragraph about, you know, what the weather's like or anything, just mm-hmm. to actually be in the practice of writing. Wonderful. So you're writing an e-book. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, the, um, I've been writing an e-book, which is actually uh, the sixth book in the Sophie Anderson series, and it's called Coming Home. And basically what I was doing with that, it was actually writing one chapter a week and posting each chapter as I'd finished it, which meant that it wasn't quite as edited and polished as I would have liked. Um, but I was also posting questions, so people could actually go on and vote for what they wanted to happen in the next question, uh, in the next chapter. So it was quite a, um, it's quite a challenging um, environment to be working in because although I have some control over what's going to happen in the next chapter because I pose the questions, I still give people two, three, four, maybe five options 
and then I just write on whatever the majority rules is. So, um, yeah, it's, it's um, quite a challenging experience, but I also like the concept of having a short... It's a shorter book than most of my books. I like the concept of having, you know, a free ebook on my website that people can download. Um, if they're big Sophie fans, they get um, a taste of Sophie for free. Um, and if they've never heard of Sophie, they get, um, you know, to read this free ebook and decide whether they want to, you know, go back and start the series at the start. So, yeah, it's been an interesting experience, though, and, and a very, um, yeah, I think that people who plan their writing out could not write this way. But for me, because I don't do a lot of planning, it's been fascinating and lots of fun. So what gave you the idea in the first place and 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 why did you want to do it? Uh, there was a few reasons. I had um, I knew that a lot of writers in America were um, writing and releasing free e-books. And I thought, oh, why would they do that? <laughs> um, and, of course, the main reason is, as a, you know, to sort of almost reward their fans, um, but also um, to bring new fans into the series. Mm. People who um, might not buy the book, but they see or they can get this for free. So they read the first couple of chapters um, and then go out and, you know, want to start the series. So from that point of view, um, I, I guess part of it is to, to bring new readers into your series mm. um, and, and to, to um, you know, to give the fans who are really big fans you know, a taste of Sophie, um, and I think for me, doing it week by week, people really got into that week by week thing. They couldn't wait till Monday came along till they got to read the next chapter, and and they got to you know have some say in the plot and how it was going to turn out. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that it was sort of the two reasons to bring in new readers and to um, to give my current readers um, you know a taste of Sophie, and particularly this story. Um, has Sophie coming back to Australia and researching her brother's murder. Her brother was killed um, 30 years ago. Mm. So it was something that I know I get so many emails from readers saying, when are you going to do the story about Sophie's brother? Yeah. And so I thought, well, I can give them what they want and also you know, have this interesting experience that will hopefully bring new readers in. And where can people find this ebook? Yep, it's on my website. Um, the, the specific coming home website is www.pdmartin.com.au forward slash ebook. Um, and once the process is finalised, um, it'll also be available as a downloadable P PDF from my main website, which is just pdmartin.com.au. Wonderful. And on that note, thank you very much for your time today, Philippa. Thanks, Valerie. Thanks for having me.